This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hello and welcome to the Noise Creators Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Cannon, and today I'm here with Nathan Hussey. Nathan, you may know from the band's All Get Out, but he just has a solo record coming out now on Equal Vision Records called Hussey. The record's called Hitchens, and we talk about that as well as his production and mixing work for his own bands as well as some other bands. We get into a lot of really cool stuff uh, that I think is really enjoyable. He's a very funny guy, and we have a great time through this interview. And I'd like to remind you to check out my latest book, Processing Creativity, which if you enjoy this podcast, I'm sure you will enjoy. It's out on ebook, paperback, and audiobook. So be sure to check that out if you're into this type of thing. Other than that, I won't keep you much longer. Enjoy this podcast. Hey, one second before we get started with this interview. Noise Creators is able to do these cool podcasts because we're a service and we're trying to get the word out about our service to people. So if you enjoy this podcast, it's really, really important that you share it to people so more people can get to know what we're doing trying to connect musicians with producers to make better music and make better records for you all to listen to. So please, please, please help us out. If you like this and like what we're doing, share it, tweet it, Facebook it, Instagram it, tumble it, whatever you like to do, do that. As well, we're going to start doing a really cool thing. If there's a great quote from these podcasts that you really enjoy, put it on a graphic, tweet it, Facebook it, take a picture of it, and send it to us at Noise Creators on every single one of the social networks. And what we're going to do is we're going to share the best ones. And if you're one of the best ones, we're going to send you a list of prizes we have. We have a bunch of cool, rare things from bands that aren't as much of a use to us. We have a couple of extras of rare pressings of vinyl, all sorts of cool stuff. You can choose from a list and we'll send that out to you for free if you share a really cool quote that we like and we use. Thanks so much for helping out. And please, please, please help us spread the word on our service. Thanks. Why a solo record instead of another All Get Out record? Uh, because I'm doing another All Get Out record. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, well, that's a much better, re- much better reason than usual. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, you know, there's always a lot of time in between records. Mm-hmm. Um, and my goal since the EP that you mastered uh, has been to put out way more music. Um, Cause you, you know, you can't just like touring is gratifying when you're younger and mm. you still do it. It's still fun, but you know, I can't do 200 plus days a year, every year. So I've got to find a new way to kind of stay out front and why not just create as much as I can. Um, after all, that's uh, what I claim to be as a songwriter. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think might as well. there, there's a lot of people finding that thing that, uh, just releasing solid, good music seems to be a better marketing tool a lot of time than just playing to 100 people a night. Yeah, and I mean, you can you can do damage that way too, you know, mm-hmm. you if it's, I think it's better to release 10 songs a year than 100, uh, because then people don't know what the, where the hell to start and they're not going to want to. Mm-hmm. Like even, like it's just work at that point. So, there's a balance, I'm trying to find out that. So, I have 
solo stuff i can release in between each i'll get a record that's kind of my goal so this record obviously sounds a good about different than uh i'll get out can you tell me a little about where the place you were with uh when you were writing this uh everywhere um, <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those i i did it one between between when i moved out to texas a couple years ago um from where between doing from south carolina mm-hmm. uh um I wrote a bunch on tour. I was writing some while while we were doing the Quitter record. It's kind of everywhere. I mean, it was even like I recorded a bunch of acoustic tracks at the studio where where I did Quitter, and then I recorded a lot in the garage where I'm at now. And then mm. some of it was in a hotel room or two. It's kind of a everywhere record. Uh, yes, yeah. it, it, it definitely sounded uh, more more diverse than the All Get Out stuff than when I was listening to it this morning. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, so, in that case, uh, how does a song usually come to being for you? How does it come to be? Yes. Um, so it's like music lyrics first. Like what, 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 what generally happens in most case scenario? You know, for me, it's kind of, it's kind of sit. So, I, I write music and melody at the same time. So, it's like, even if there's no, like, I have, like, just countless demos with no vocals. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, they all have melodies, and they all start that way, and that's... That's how I avoid, like, just saying, "Hey, here's a G C D progression." I'll figure out figure it out later. That's just kind of kind of boring, and it doesn't really give you much hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I write them at the same time in hopes that they have some continuity and they a little vibe. Um, and then I I pick at the lyrics. Yeah, I just wrote about this in the track by track I did for the album. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's when the trash can gets full. It's like the one set of lyrics that didn't quite make it in the trash. That's kind of what I end up using. It takes me forever. And so what about it takes you forever? What does that part of the process look like? It, it's it's more, it's not so what I'm writing. It's uh, what I'm writing about. That I feel like we're talking about therapy right now. <laughs> like you're my therapist. Like, well, so what, what is your problem? <laughs> no, it's, it's hard for me to like, to know what the song is about. And it, and I'm not spiritual or anything, but I always feel like the song has a purpose and I have to go find it. You know, it's just kind of like matching clothes, I guess. But yeah, I, I, I got to figure out what the song is about, like, like inherently about before I even write down words. And so I, I end up just not knowing and then I throw words at it that make no sense. And then I dig through those words that make no sense and I find something that stands out and then I write around it. You know, if I if I think I know, then I read back and verse one and verse two have nothing to do with each other. I might start where verse two left off. Mm. You know, just kind of kind of let it go where it's going to go. That's a bit long winded. I'm sorry. No, that's actually that, that's what I want. Um, so you said you're not spiritual. Is the Hitchens reference Christopher Hitchens? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, like spiritual and like the mm. like. Oh, the song has a life. Mm, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Which I mean, it, it it does, but you know, <laughs> yeah. Um. So, um, so was that the go, reference to the title or not? Oh, Hitch, Hitch, Christopher Hitchens. Yes, uh, well, he's definitely the the start of it. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, so, how does that manifest itself on the record? Uh, so it, that's kind of kind of it with the writing. How it starts at a point like for for me, it was a fascination with his life. Mm. Um, at first, it was a fascination with his his debates, and, uh, and I tried to write about it, and I was like, well, this just comes out as like. Like kind of bashing people, like like I don't want to go bashing people on the heads because of their beliefs or 
I started mm-hmm. just being silly or it's like so I kept I kept trying to write and I couldn't get it. Um I think the only song that kind of stuck out with that theme was uh for shame. Um but what I, what it did lead itself into was writing about his life and then a lot about his family's life, like like the song Oxford, it's about his mother. Um and then that led things into my own life. Um so yeah, it it definitely started and is centered around being inspired by him. Um yeah, I could see how um if you wrote about how he actually lived his life, it could be a little abrasive because that man definitely lived his life a bit abrasively. Uh, yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> he was, it's like, like you were talking about Rick and Morty. Like, uh, it's like whenever I think the opening for season three, they talk, he's like, he's like I'm, I'm not saying he's a villain. I'm just saying you shouldn't look up to him. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's kind of like, kind of like that. Like I, 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 I just admired a bit about him, but I don't know if he's my hero. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I mean, I, I, I think like a friend of mine and I once uh, talked about, we were like, you know, it's amazing you can be that drunk on television that you're literally looking at the desk you're so wasted and still be smarter than everybody who you're debating. Uh, it, I mean, it had to be painful for him to know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, <sighs> no challenge. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was a funny thing because he very rarely had a worthy opponent. So, um, no, not not at all. So to switch gears, uh, so you talked about recording in different places. Is this record all recorded just by you? Uh, is there other people playing on the record? Tell me about that aspect of it. Yeah, there are two songs. Um, I think all things and for shame. I have a friend of mine, uh, Andrew Goldring, out of uh, Salt Lake City. He played drums and recorded those at his studio, or at least at his last studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and other than that, it's just me um, playing everything else. Cool. Very cool. That, that's kind of it for the guys. <laughs> <laughs> not, 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 not very, not, not very involved in that. So uh, do you have any headspace tricks that you use to try to keep your objectivity while you're doing this all alone? Because you're also mixing it as well yourself? No, uh, I mixed the last song, uh, Overflow, but the rest of it, Watts actually mixed. Oh, cool. Uh, um, um, for, for the listener, that's Mike Watts at Voodoo Studios. Yep. Yeah, uh, and he, he mixed our last record, and yeah. Um, man, that, the hardest part about this whole thing was doing it by myself. You know, mm-hmm. every time you do a record with someone, you kind of leave with this cocky attitude, like somewhere in the back of your mind where you're like, man, I could, I could, I could do a lot of this myself. And it's never true. It's absolutely never, never true. Because I, I, as soon as I went into this and tried to like lay down vocals, I was just lost. And then I would, I would lay, I'd actually track some. And then I would sit there and I would edit. I would like tune. I would detune. I would like trial production stuff. And I just got lost, man. It was, it was painful. It was painful. <laughs> Uh, I don't, I don't think it was until like the last two songs that I got the hang of it, but I had no perspective. So if I had any advice, it would be to have someone around, um, to tell you when to stop pulling out your hair or like to to stop cutting like it's done, you know? Yeah. I think that that's an interesting thing. And obviously, so you're producing and mixing other people's stuff. So you see the benefit from that. I think one of the things we even see is like a lot of self-produced people. It's like almost like you need a, uh, support system to send to people like, uh, at this point, because it is the thing of like having that objectivity and having somebody to tell you to 
zoom out from looking at the trees and see the forest is a big thing. Yeah, absolutely. When you know when when I when I do produce things, we like we tell on the singer like this is done. You're you're done. It's good. Like you sure it's good? Like I yeah, I'll you're paying me to be the judge. Mm-hmm. Like, you 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 can't really be your own judge. You can try and it I, I think I got away with it, but Oh, hard. <laughs> so, so how long was the process for this one? I didn't work on it every day for two mm-hmm. years, but it definitely took almost two years. Wow. I mean, I'd say safely a year and a half. We'll, we'll stick with that. Um, but cool. I mean, that's some days I'm just listening to five of them all day long, just hoping, <laughs> <laughs> hoping it's good. I was going to mix it myself, mm-hmm. but then I, I reached that boiling point. I just had no idea. Like it was. And we signed with Equal Vision, and and like we're going to put this record out for you. And I'd already started working on it before then, and so it kind of became real, and that scared me. So I got Mike. I, I called Mike Watts. I was like, "Can you can you please just take this away from me? <laughs> like, can you zip this thing up for me?" <laughs> well, those are those are good hands to be in. Um, yes, they are. So let's bridge this gap of uh, talking about how you're a producer. Let's talk a little bit about that. Um, so what, if you're producing for somebody else, we kind of have this saying in this podcast is like on one side, you have like a Steve Albini, who's never going to come out of the song, but might tell you, you could do a take better. And then you have like a John Feldman who like rewrites your whole song. What do you usually do uh, in most case scenario when you're producing someone else? Goodness. Well, first off, it's kind of a hybrid, excluding the last record I did. Uh, it's always kind of a hybrid process because it's all remote. I mean, every... Every everybody has access to some friend with a living room and eight mics and some focus right interface, mm-hmm. you know. So so what I've been doing is I I get bands to like, hey, track the drum or give me the demo and I'll cut the demo up for them a little bit, you know, like restructure it and then I'll fight them on it because no one likes their songs to be moved. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, yes. And then I'll I'll edit the drums, I'll send it back, I'll do bass, I'll edit and I'll send it back and so on and so forth and then they'll send me vocals and i'll edit them as well and it's always amazing whenever someone sends you vocals because they they hate it you know they they know how bad they are and then not saying they are bad but to you the singer they're bad like any, anything that comes out of my mouth is terrible um so to send them back in a context that's like like you know sitting where it should it's just always very very rewarding on my end i guess i kind of ride that line a little bit between the two Mm. Um, cause it, it, there are times where it's like, all right, here's an eight minute song. Um, all right, well, we're, there's not one chorus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, that's a little weird. <laughs> it, it happens. And, but then once you show people that, you know, they'll come back to you just like this, the band I just finished, uh, at Mike Watts' studio at Voodoo, mm. uh, Sunsleeper, uh, their first EP, they gave me demos for, and they were six minutes long, you know, they had three or four different parts and sometimes none of them repeated and next thing you know we had three minute songs <laughs> nice but when they showed up to do this lp that i just did all their songs were two and a half three minutes long it was awesome it's awesome so they learned that's my goal uh, i i think that's always the mark is if the the band comes back fixing their fixing their mistakes instead of making them a second time that means they're doing something right absolutely i mean that that's that's something that uh um, Matt Malpass, who did our the All Get Out, the All Get Out, well, All Get Out's first record uh, the season, he he taught me all that the structuring and simplicity and ah, 
it's uh, it's it's nice to pass it on. Nice. So, what do you think outside of that you bring to records most often? I think I do best in simplifying and kind of working on lyrics with people. I you know I might get lost in my own head with my own lyrics, but for some reason it's easier to take someone else's and just uh, just kind of flip a word or a phrase or two. Uh, it's just that kind of stuff that I think I'm best at. Mm. Uh, cause then all of a sudden you, you, you know, you might have one line that's off that throws a listener or that just makes you stay in your kind of amateur category. And then you just go have someone come in there and fix that. And all of a sudden, I don't know, you've, you got something that you meant to say, <laughs> Nice, but said, said, well, I like that. So what happens when you and a band disagree about something? I, I kind of find a compromise. If, if, if it's in person, um, it's easier. Like if you're tracking like, like bass is where you get a lot of, uh, a lot of headache, I feel like. <laughs> really? Ba- ba- bass, is, bass is the headache for you? Uh, well, because you, know, you get these bands and they want to do indie rock stuff, so they'll have a lot of fuzz or something on the bass. And then the bass player's bored, so he wants to use his fingers. And, <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> Yeah, yes. that, okay, that okay, point battle. taken so far. Okay, so it's easy then, then you can just say, all right, well, let's just get both. Let's let's track it, and then we'll listen to it back later. And then I can, like, really actually hear, like, all right, well, here's a bass with a guitar pick, and here's a bass with your fingers. And, you know, if if I'm right, then when I play it in context, you know, a week later, with 15 guitars on it, they're going to go, oh, yeah, you're right. And if I'm wrong, then, hey, I want some structure stuff. Like I said, no one really, like in the beginning, likes their stuff cut up, mm-hmm. especially if they've been working on it for a year. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm okay with that stuff. I ne- it never hurt my feelings. But so you're talking a bit about uh, them going and recording with somebody. So is that mainly your pre-production thing? Is that you're doing a lot of remote stuff? Yes, yes. The I I, I did fly out. You know, like I said last month to do something in person, and that was. A nice change of pace but uh yeah most of it's remote it's just kind of i don't know if it's a niche uh i'd like it to be <laughs> mm, yeah um it's it's kind of nice not to be around people all day and it's nice to live like in email world and yeah you know, I, I spent a lot of my day behind headphones and i i love it love yeah. it love it love it I, I do a lot of the same, but it's like always that funny thing of like my girlfriend's like, they're paying you to do this right now. I'm like, they're paying me to sit on the couch with the headphones and take notes because it's important. It makes You're more right. of a difference than a lot of things we do later on in person. Uh-huh. It's like, this will save me time pretend, pretending I'm extroverted. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think this is Let's where start. we have something in common here. <laughs> I wasn't always this way. I, I used to be pretty extroverted. I, I guess really? I'm a con- con- converted introvert I, I don't know how you say that uh, okay. i guess i've really been i've been fine either way I, mm-hmm. like i have to i have to have like one person around but i just i'm okay maybe it's because i tour enough i don't know but i'm i'm fucking fine <laughs> <laughs> i think what yeah, they, just, they, they, they say in the psychiatry thing is like uh that like really what a lot of the, the time is is that what we're actually doing is we get drained from something and then we become more introverted and then we get uh, we don't get the nourishment of the extroversion, and then we want to be out there, and it's a pendulum that swings yeah. back and forth. I find and that with myself. That's probably why the beer intake goes so far up. Honestly, <laughs> like, it, uh, yeah, my my father in law is pretty close to him, and he's introverted. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but like with me, it's fine. He's outspoken and we get along and we laugh. Uh, but he teaches. He says in his mind, when he goes to teach and to talk to people, he comes back exhausted where someone, uh, someone else will go out there and they'll feed off of that and they'll come back just like, hey, ready to the party? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not me. Which is, no, which is basically what you said, but yeah. yeah. So is there any advice you give to each band you record? I, I tell them to listen to certain records. Okay, so uh, can we talk about that? Yeah, my my go-to is always uh, listen to Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Interesting. Uh, it's just, there's some recording stuff in there, and you don't notice how awkward it is until you really listen to it. But, like, there's just some weird shit, man. Like, some, like, off stuff. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot of weird, weird, weird things on that record, for sure. There, it's Man, it's my go-to. It's been, I, I was actually looking at an email yesterday. I was trying to find some some old ass email um and something pulled up from like 2000 i don't know 13 and it said the same exact thing <laughs> it said it said listen to listen to wilco that's uh, funny no and, most and, of the advice, and watch the movie oh no i haven't seen that oh you I, haven't I, seen, oh dude you have to do that immediately it's amazing it's one of the I best know. movies it's really really I've good got a, i've got a flight to florida next week i think i'm just gonna like, get it for that you should you should totally do that I think I will. But yeah, I, most of the advice I have to give them, though, is, like, just to try stuff. You mm -hmm. know, like, like all right, here's, here's a pop rock thing. Well, like, you know, don't, don't, don't worry about being clean. Like, mm -hmm. just stop, stop worrying. Just, just get, a, get something creative. Give me five good takes and let me build you something. Mm. You know, and just to trust me and let me show you what, what you sound like underneath the same, like, workflow that the rest of us get some people send me stuff and like oh man it sounds so bad or whatever and and i'll listen to it and i'm like yeah well mine mine sounds this bad before anyone touches it <laughs> yeah like, go look on youtube we'll watch go watch a live video we all sound like, sh we all sound like shit i like that that's, that, 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 that's good for helping the, 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 them feel comfortable that's good yeah if, if they're fans which mm -hmm. most of them are i or at least they know the band so with that, I, I think there's like a defining thing that happens in the studio a lot of time, which is somebody says the phrase, nobody will hear that. Is there a retort you often have to that? I look at the track at the bottom of the screen where I've been collecting all the outtakes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I say, yes, they will. <laughs> nice. if, if you fuck with me, they will. <laughs> start, start using that as leverage. Uh, no, like, like as far as like uh, like a blip or like something like an artifact or like a a funny part that kind of came out weird but sits well in the mix. Like you know, I tell them, you know, if it if it works, it's kind of like this. I think it's like a Chris Lord Alge one or something where he's he's like, no one's going to be looking at your session, you know, like yes, which applies to mixing, but it also applies to to like producing and and kind of comforting the band. You know, if, if no one's going to hear it, like it, it really, it's true. It's there, but also like you take out that like weird little fuck up, and all of a sudden the song lost its vibe. So stuff like that, you know, you you're, you're kind of teaching people about recording as well. Yes. When 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 you record them, like they got to know like what you're trying to achieve because you know if someone sits behind you and watches you mix just for like it takes you eight hours to mix a song like if they're watching hour two they're gonna be really fucking confused and worried 
<laughs> I, I, I like that, yes. Because like, hour two usually is where it's like, all right, this makes no sense. Yeah, it's like, what are you doing to the snare? <laughs> um, is this in mono? <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about a good lesson you've learned from another producer? Don't forget to turn the talk back off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we all learned that uh, lesson on our own. Uh, the patience thing with a vocalist is, I think, where it's where I've learned the most. Mm. Um, so t tell me either, more about that. There's, you have to have a good sense of communication to where you're not let down because, like, so the last record I did, I produced and I, I did a lot of engineering. I hit record the entire time, uh, mm -hmm. which I think is just faster and more fun. But, uh, you know, at hour, let's say, 10, because some days just when you're, when you're locked away at somewhere like Voodoo, mm -hmm. you know, you don't see the sun, so you don't give a shit how long you've been going. Mm -hmm. But you've been... You know, you're you're exhausted. The guy who's singing is probably exhausted. And and if you if you let up on your patience, you know, you can destroy him or her mm -hmm. and just like really ruin the rest of the day. Uh, and then they can't, they can't sing. Yes. Uh, so like patience and a good attitude, or at least delivering that and kind of holding back your stuff. Like do what you got to do later. You know, go go zone out. Go not be happy somewhere. But being patient and kind to the singer, I think, is most important. There's a delivery. And then you can also, like, be kind of cold selectively. You know, like, if that's, if you, if you can read, read the room, you know, like, it's like, go again, go again, go again, go again. Great job, bud. Like, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a, that, that's, that's a good one. Okay, so let's get to know you yourself a little bit now. Um, Uh-oh. <laughs> what's something outside of music that you're good at or you're really interested in outside of music that i'm good at or i'm really interested in uh, it's, uh, it's all kind of music related mm. i love i love electronics i'll tell you that mm -hmm. um it's, it's still music related but it might be as far detached as you can get so does that okay, manifest I'd... itself in building gear or yes so, so, so tell me a little uh, bit about that what, what, what are you doing um well i haven't done it in a, a few months because it's gotten thankfully busy but uh i took uh i built a guitar amp Oh, wow. uh, the one I use, the one I use, the the four by ten tweed basement. Um, there was a reissue that I gutted, and I just learned how it all works. I text a guy, Nick from New Vintage Amps. Mm -hmm. He he's kind enough to just teach me as much as he can handle teaching me uh, about them. And I I built that. I, I convert stuff like this is old Sure M sixty seven like PA mixer. Mm -hmm. I uh, found one of those and I turned it into like a four channel preamp, you know, stuff like that. Nice. Um, that's really cool. Yeah, I love reformatting my computer every other month. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of it. Um, cool. It kind of surrounds my whole life. Nice. Um, that and I watch a lot of sci-fi. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, okay. okay. So, so, give me some of your fa favorite sci-fi. Uh, currently, because of the release and also because of the new season, X Files. Nice. I've watched the old ones uh, probably three to four times through. Wow, dude, that's like a hundred-hour plus show. Oh man, yeah, I don't feel any kind of bad. <laughs> it's just one of those things, too, especially in the winter. You know, it's dark after five, so mm -hmm. you just put that on and roll. I mean, obviously, I. I think it still counts. Rick and Morty is obviously yes. a gosh a life changing show for me. Yeah, um, amazing. I've watched each one of those three or four times. Oof, it's so easy, so easy. You can do a season in a night. Just um, okay. So let's get uh, back into. Tell me 
a perfect record somebody else has made and what about it makes it perfect. We've already talked about Wilco. Mm-hmm. Thinking like rock record. Uh, Bleed American was a perfect perfect pop rock record, I think. Agreed. And it still holds up, and they even do phasers on drums, and they get away with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like... There's a lot of weird stuff on that record. I actually was on a record uh, podcast called The Great Albums. We did three hours dissecting that record, and it was like one of those things where I was like kind of horrified when they were like, well, we do three hours. I'm like, I can't talk. Oh, I could talk about that record for three hours. <laughs> Well, I, that one to me is one of them. Uh, though I, I, I will say the one negative is I'm not, I'm not a fan of like all of the quieter like ballady ones. Um, for, for the Angel song is the one I don't like. That's the only song I don't like on that record. Same. Um, mm. Even though like I used a lot of that like what I feel like was their mindset I used on the Quitter record mm. that we used. Um, like kind of like straight parts. Like everything was like. The math was like pre-done, like, all right, you're going to strum the acoustic, dun, 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 and you're not going to break away, like that kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'll i sound like a broken record if I talk more like like about Pigeon the Lion or something. Okay. That's, that's definitely where my heart well, is. I mean, my next question is, is five favorite records that shaped your musical growth. So I figured, because you and I have talked about that record before, that that was going to be in there. So why don't we just start off there and you tell everybody about you and Pedro the Lion Control. Jeez. Well, hell, <laughs> even even better, Achilles uh, Heel. Oh, really? That's yeah. the one. That's the one that for you one, Yeah, that, that one was the first time I felt like felt like a real mood, you know? Like, I felt like I was looking at somebody else's darkness. <laughs> mm. I like it, that. Just, it just had that yeah it's like looking in the wrong drawer and like being okay with it or something i don't know um that one that and then everything before that really got me mm. um on those records just that was my first time i had an understanding of like that kind of vibe um then in that whole time frame i ended up with um <clears throat> what was it death cap cuties transatlanticism mm-hmm um, she's yeah. I think we'll fast forward a little. I don't want to do duplicates of the bands because there are some more like the little album and we mm-hmm. have the facts or just ugh. yeah. We are the facts. It's one of my favorite records of all time. Oh, so good. And uh, I don't know if it's it's as listenable for a new listener now. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like I get some people. I'm like, no, you haven't listened to that record, and they're like, ah, it's too lo-fi, and I'm like, oh, but that's like the best sounding lo-fi record ever. <laughs> Yeah, it almost like it's it's almost not like yeah. <laughs> it, it 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 is, but it's like also just it just sounds like they didn't mix it. It was like here you go. <laughs> yeah. uh, what do you call it? A static mix or it's just faders? Yes, that's what it sounds like to me. Just fast forwarding though, uh, every time I die came into the picture for me a little late, like oh mm. six ish, oh seven. Then whenever the big dirty actually came out, mm. that one that was. That was huge for me. That's when I realized where rock is. Like, like, like hardcore is one thing, but then there's like rock. I always called them like true, like a true rock band. Um, and their last record, it's just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, just, I, I mean, the, the the one they did with uh, Kurt Ballou, Yeah, that, that record. It's just the energy. It's just smoke. <sighs> yeah, it's like I think it'd be so much fun to mix that stuff too, because you could just. You I mean you're at like the top of your like your meters the entire time. It's like, well, how how bombastic can I make every single instrument, every mm-hmm. mic? That sounds fun to me. Yes. <laughs> Ugh, damn. Let's just go with a duplicate. I'll go with control. Okay. Cool. Uh,
Um, fantastic uh, record absolutely it's it was like one of the times where you could see like it's a different setup for him but the songwriting was closer to where it is on like Achilles heel but with these like really weird like it was a really wide record like sonically but Mm -hmm. at the same time it'd be super wide but with one guitar (laughs) yeah (laughs) kind of like i don't know if it sounds as good as i remember it sounding but I'm pretty sure it did. <laughs> I, I, I remember even when we got the raw tracks for that, uh, when Alan Dow just mastered it, I was assisting him. It was just like, it was striking how beautiful it sounded. And just also the mixes were humongous. Oh yeah, that's right. You, uh, I assisted you on been the, around. Yeah, yeah. On the, just the mastering side or uh, just the, just the mastering side. Yeah. Man, um, what I would give to see those old files. Yeah. Sadly, those are backed up on an AIT tape that th- doesn't work. So, uh, what w- w- ends up being g- given to do that is, uh, is horrifying amounts of hours to retrieve these days because of obsoleted technology. Uh, but yeah. did he record that on tape? Well, no. So, so AIT is a backup system um, for uh-huh. master jobs that was used a lot, I'd say, about pre-2004. And they're all the tapes seem to be going to hell. Oh, um, man. It's like digital tape. Like, you know this thing that how, like, everybody's ADATs are rotting? That, like, if you try to remix yeah. a record that was done on ADAT, the odds of it is still existing are, like, second, just about nil. So... All these records so from like ninety three to two thousand four that were done on like ADAT and D eighty eight are going to be basically unable to ever be remixed unless they you get Whoa. them off of there. So we're going to have a real. Did they know? People know, but people also don't know. I mean, I think it's the thing is, it's like it's like if the person who's in charge of like keeping these things, it's a big deal to know that you know these uh, tapes are rotting basically because they were made on a really shitty format. I know it's there's, there's like bigger problems in the world like cancer, <laughs> yeah, but, yes. but I want to I want to raise awareness. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I like that. We need to make sure that the digital <laughs> records of the '90s and the early 2000s are preserved, people. <laughs> Listen, I know so, I know <laughs> prostate cancer's killed a lot of men, but let's get our fucking priorities. Yeah, like like what good are these men without the music from their time? Yes, yes. Oh, this is a terrible conversation. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, oh, but that's 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 good to know. I didn't I didn't realize that. So his so his mixes would be on a drive. You know what they did that recorded it on? Was it Pro Tools? I don't I don't remember, but uh I want to say I we got the mixes. I want to say, I mean, I. you know, the funny thing is I'm sure if I wrote Alan Doucher's, he'd probably like, like, oh, I'm looking at the tapes right now. Um, <laughs> so. Um, I, I, I know they recorded on a lot of different stuff. Like, like they, I don't know if, or like this, the Pedro stuff is like not pre Pro Tools, but they just kind of use whatever. Yeah. I feel like that record was the era before everybody started getting Pro Tools. So. Um, it probably cost a fuck ton too back then. Yeah, so. I mean, I think of my Pro Tool system I bought in 1999 was $25,000 all in, so. Um, oh my god. Yeah, and you know, and then you throw it away and it's useless. Um, fun times. Yeah, I, I, my, I've collectively, if you don't count interfaces, I've just paid, you know, probably a grand. Mm. Like, and now you can do it for 25 bucks a month. Yes. Which um, would be nice to know to go back in time. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and I have every Avid plugin for five bucks a month. Yes, this is true. That that rules. I just started using that stuff. That old Bomb Factory pull tech stuff is awesome. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I use that all the time. I um, love it. The mid one. Oof, all right. Sorry, sorry. I keep going. <laughs> <coughs> Give me three three of your favorite producers. I'm not good at that. I, I don't. I that. actually. I don't. Uh, I don't know that many. 
Really? That's interesting. But it's, it, it's funny, especially for what I do, but uh, Kyle, my guitar player, he's like the only other member of the band. Anytime I bring up a name, he knows them. He like or like a band, he'll know the producer. He'll know everyone else. It's, it's I I kind of don't know. Uh, I will say lately, uh, is it Jaquar King? Is that his name? Jaquir, 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 Shakira, Shakira King. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's amazing. I, I've been watching. I've been watching the mix with the master stuff and mm-hmm. uh, his his stuff. Ugh, just so great. So I, I feel like my point of view is liking these guys as they're mixing. Mm-hmm. I don't know much about Albini, but there's some something about the attitude I'm not certain of. I want to go watch him. You know what's a great thing to do? Um, he does some phenomenal interviews, particularly his one on the uh, Recording Studio Rockstars podcast, and then he did another one on a podcast called Creative Control, and he talks okay. a lot about his philosophies, uh, especially the Creative Control one. It's actually an interview with him and Ian Mackay at once. Um his philosophies are so, so many people think he's just like this simple minded curmudgeon, but when you actually hear why he does things, it's incredibly intelligent and counterintuitive to what almost everybody else is talking about in recording. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Really worthwhile listens for um, a shitty plane ride or a car ride. <laughs> I, I get the impression that he's not going to create a moment. He's going to wait for the moment and capture it. That's you are by correct. far. Okay. Okay, and that's uh, yeah. Okay, um, who else? Uh, I, I I've been watching Sheps uh-huh. a little bit. I mm-hmm. uh, I feel like I probably wouldn't like get along too well with him. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, that's just super negative. No, okay, uh, I, I, I think that's one of the most interesting things of like why we do this podcast is you get the vibe from somebody of like what they want to do. Like you know, one of the most interesting things that we have with this podcast is some people are like, "Yo, I really want to work with that guy." After hearing him talk, and some people are like, "Yo, I wanted to work with that guy, and he sounds like a fucking monster of a human." And you're like, oh, "I mean, <laughs> but, he seemed like a nice guy to me, but if that's what you don't like, sure. I mean, everybody's yeah. different. We're trying to find fits. It's kind of like dating." But it's yeah. Oh my god, it, I have no reason to think that i don't know why i i'm a positive person mm-hmm. uh i think he's super positive i i i don't i don't know well, i would love to see it i want i want to meet these people because i just have this other side of the fence view where i'm first off like completely unworthy to even work on the same stuff that they do mm-hmm. uh they're just in a i mean i don't i barely look at myself as like the word producer i, I don't even say out loud mm. um usually except for in this case um and even as a mixer, you know, like I, I don't, I couldn't, I don't think I could hold a, hold a light to them. Uh, so anyway, so it feels really weird to like voice an opinion like that. Well, so I, I want to meet here, these people and learn. Here would be my insight on it. You seem to, and I know even from working with you, you have a, a lot of vision and, and Andrew Sheps has a lot of vision as well. I think sometimes the thing is, is having two people with a lot of vision, like Dave Sardi talks a lot about this. I actually have a whole section of my last book on this. Is that like when you have two people with too much vision? And David Sardi did this quote right after he got done doing an Oasis record, so no coincidence there. Um, right, Couldn't but imagine. he talks talks about when there's two people with too much vision that it just makes everything complicated and too hard to work. That you like, you almost need yeah. somebody being a conduit and somebody having a lot of vision because otherwise it is. And I think that's the thing is like. Andrew Sheps may not be like the best mixer for somebody like you because you really know what you want and what you want to hear. Right, but at the same time, I I kind of require, and I'm not like I'm not hard to work with. No, at not all. at all. Uh, I but I kind of just require the person who's getting involved to know, like, because I'm I just don't I don't want to like I'm not going to interrupt your creative flow. I have no problem 
saying, all right, I've done my creativity. I think it's your turn. Um, that, that's, that to me is what makes a project. That's why you have a producer. That's why you have engineers. That's why you have a mixing engineer. That's why you have a mastering guy. Like you got, it would sound like shit if it never left my hands, which is what I was so worried about with the Hussey record. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Um, uh, no, I think that's a wor- wor- worthwhile insight for sure. I, I, I also like when, when I'm on the, when I'm just the band and as a producer, there's very little that I say no to. Like, honestly, just very, very little. Mm. I just think, I think I'm paying someone, uh, I mean, that's just the money side, but aside from that, someone's involved and asked to, and it's committed this time and brain power. I'm gonna trust them. Mm. Uh, so that's that's where I'm at. Nice. It's another. I was watching Tom Lord Alcha as well. Mm. I like him. Yes. <laughs> I like him a lot. He's just he's he's goofy. He's he's got good good spirits. I feel like it'd be fun. I feel like he would laugh until he fell asleep. Yeah, his one is very funny. So currently, that's who I've been paying attention to. And like I said, that's. A lot to learn from mixing, but uh, you know, he, he. I liked hearing him talk. He was doing uh, Weezer's "Back Back to the Shack," and he was talking about the recording mm-hmm. process. And he seemed to like, kind of like, well, let's just let you get your stuff down, and we'll see what we can do with it. You know, he seemed more about the artist than himself. Yes, I think that's that's very important for a mixer. Yeah, obviously, the people uh, close to me though that I've worked with have have meant a lot, and I'm about to go experience. Uh, the infamous Mike Watts. Nice. Uh, so, so what are Not you doing infamous. with him? Uh, uh, next, I'll get out record. Oh, nice. Very cool. So you guys are already that far along in the process. Oh, yeah. Next month. Wow. That's really great. Yeah. Um, I, we haven't announced that. I don't know how that works. <laughs> but, <laughs> okay. Well, well um, we, can, we can add it if need be. Just, uh, just, I'll just ask my manager if we can say it. I'm sure it's yeah. fine. Uh, but yeah, we leave. We start February 4th. Very cool. Um, um, and we'll be there for an entire month. That's rad. Um, what do you call it? So let's get your feelings on some modern production tools. Uh, okay. Amp simulators and reamping. Does that have a role in your production? Huge. Huge. Because, yeah. um, like I said, a lot of these bands, you know, you for with what I do with a remote thing, um, God, I feel so awkward talking, talking about like Sheps and stuff like that and then saying what I do. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just make sure I don't sound like a dickhead. No, please. you don't sound like a dickhead. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, you know, like, they're giving me living room stuff. You can't always, you don't know if the band you're recording, if they have nice gear or if they know what they're doing at all, um, recording-wise. So I just teach them how to give me a DI. And uh, sometimes I get only a DI, and then I have, you know, I have UAD stuff, and I have all kinds of stuff. Uh, and it sounds good these days. You know, at the, yeah. at the end of the day, it's what sounds good, not what was the coolest way to get it. Totally. Uh, that's obviously UAD has been great for a while, but I think they're definitely at their best now, except for, you know, having to use that DSP bullshit. <laughs> yes. Sadly, that's what makes oh, it God. sound good. But yes, that annoying box is annoying. God, I should have got the quad. Anyways. Um, yeah. So I, I'm all for it. You know, whatever, whatever makes, what, whatever makes these recordings that don't sound fantastic, whatever makes them sound great. Yeah. It gets me closer to making this band's typically for me, band's first records sound great then yeah i'm all for it nice so how about then sample dash midi drums uh midi and in the sense of like the drums being actually midi like not like on top of a yes real recording uh and a 
context of a rock record, no. Mm. I mean, like, if you're doing it for, like, effect, like, there's the, there's fake drums on my record. There's also drum samples I made out of other songs uh, that I just need, like, a little backbeat underneath it. And so I just made sure it sounded like it wasn't intended to be real, and I felt okay with it. Mm. Um, but drum samples, I'm all for. I was just doing this today, though. I kind of, kind of, kind of dialed back my approach where... You know, I got a good blend of the, the snare top and snare bottom. And instead of grabbing my favorite sample, I really listened to the snare. And I found a sample that sounded most like it. And then I, I kind of used it as a reference for EQ. And then I went back and I put that sample in as well. And I just turned it up until it felt right. And then all of a sudden I had this thing that sounded like, like okay, this was, a, this was the drum kit. Versus, mm. all right, here's a, another Black Beauty snare on top of a, uh, a, some terrible Ludwig snare that wasn't a Black Beauty, you know? Yes. Uh, I, so th- in that context, if you're just reinforcing, if you're correcting, you know, there's no reason I can't go edit a drum performance and then go and then stop myself and say I can't replace them. Yes. I get, and like I said, if it sounds better and this band has a good recording and then they feel good the way I felt when I got my first record back from Malpass, then hell yeah. Nice. I like that. that. That's what it's, that's what it's about, man. Oh, so that and paying AT&T. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so do you master your own records? Um, I, I started mastering on the side um, mm-hmm. one to learn because you become a better mixer when you do. Yes. Um, uh, but also because it's a good way to fill in the blank, uh, money wise. I, I, this is the first time I've been busy, busy. Mm. Um, so I've had to really figure it out and it turns out whenever you got to put yourself out there to master, you can actually collect a lot of mixing work as well. Um, yes. so yeah, I do. I mastered the Hussey record, um, mastered a lot of, a lot of bands, a lot of EPs. Um, I enjoy the hell out of it. Right. It's the same kind of reward too, because a lot of these bands, like I can't afford someone to mix this. We did it ourselves. Here's our master. So then you take this anemic mix, and you, you I mean, you know how it goes. You fix mm. that low end up, and all of a sudden, <laughs> it sounds great. Yes, that's the same reward. I like that. Um, how about do you have any favorite soft synths, software synthesizers? I I'm a big fan of. We're just starting to work on stuff now for the record for our next record um a big fan of taking the vintage analog stuff like the archeria suite the Mm -hmm. v collection and just kind of playing like an idiot like don't play musically you know Mm. (laughs) like that kind of approach any of that stuff i do um i do love also you know expand 2 has a lot of good shit in it yeah i I use it all the time it's it's wonderful especially if you want like a non-name brand literal soft synth that little folder of soft sense is awesome. It, it, it gets the job done a lot of the time for me. It does. But anything inside that V collection, uh, mm-hmm. I guarantee I've used or, or uh, passed over. Um, how about uh, favorite guitar amp? Uh, big Fender guy. Mm. Um, it, it's, it's interesting building one and learning circuits um, because now you don't ever want to buy one again. Uh-huh. Cause you, it's kinda, so like once you know how it's made, you're like, why am I spending this money? Um, especially on vintage stuff, you know, it's, it's like, oh, well, there's so little to it and everything's just on like a little piece of cardboard inside. Uh, so you, you kind of just want to buy broken ones for cheap and then fix it. <laughs> uh, but, but Fender, Fender all day. I love the tweed sounds. I like the, the squishiness of it. Um, that's my go-to. Um, 
a couple companies though nowadays like i said new vintage we use it and i'll get out mm-hmm. um they, his has a good like good blend he's got a few different things that he does um he also makes bass amps too oh nice but anything in Anything that kind of nods its head back to Tweed, Fender, or even like the kind of Fender um, 60s era stuff too, like the black and silver face amps. Um, I guess it's 60s and 70s, but yeah, that's my shit. Nice. <laughs> that and the B15 yes. for bass. Yeah, uh, I'm All right day. there with you. All day long. Okay, and then so to close out, how about your favorite record of recent times and what's inspiring you about it? Uh, you know what? Just talking about editing drums earlier. Um like I said, my favorite thing to do is when it's time to edit drums, if they need to be gridded or something close to it or you're playlisting, mm-hmm. I put on I put on a record and then I edit. Mm-hmm. That way it forces me to listen to music, which yes. for all the work we do, we don't listen to it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I've been doing the Jason Isbell stuff. Oh, nice. Um, I, I, I passed over him. I passed on him for no reason at all. Um, and he's got a ton of back catalogs. So I've been making my way down. Um, but his last record, I think, the Nashville sound. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, there's some good stuff. Yeah, it's a great just record. Great, just good stuff. That and um, revisited Chris Stapleton's uh, Traveler record. So the two country records, I guess. But just songwriting. I, I you know, I, I, I don't pay attention to it as much as I should. I get caught up in my work and listening it for like, you know, how to make drums sound bigger or mm. how to, I spent an hour today trying to figure out how to make a shortcut. Mm. Like, <laughs> like, what am I doing? I need to be listening yes. <laughs> to music. So that Jason Isbell has been the one lately for me. Um, yeah. Cool. I, um, I actually played a show with his wife once. So it was kind of oh, awesome. in Lubbock, Texas. Huh. They, I think she's from there, but that town adores her. Holy shit. It was awesome to watch. Nice. How about, uh, to close out, uh, why don't you do a little self-promotion? Tell us what you've been working on lately and what uh, everybody can expect from you. been mixing bands, mm-hmm. mostly mostly Texas bands lately. A band from Philly, actually. A band called Out of Service. Um, another band called Luca. Mm-hmm. And another guy out of Virginia named Thomas Wilder. Yeah, he's actually he's my beer dealer. <laughs> uh, he, he he owns a brewery down there. Uh, <laughs> I like called, beer uh, dealer. That's good. <laughs> he, he, last time we passed through, we played a show at his brewery, and it was like he filled our van up with beer. It was just amazing. Um, he's a good friend of mine too. Writes really good stuff. That uh, released a solo album called Hitchens, mm-hmm. and am starting another All Good Out record. Um, so gonna have two records this year and probably way too much touring if you enjoyed this episode please remember the golden rule of the internet that if you enjoy something you got for free please tweet facebook share or tell your friends about it in whatever way you like to do that please check out noise creators website and take a look around we have tons of interviews discographies spotify playlists from all the best producers out there on our service. If you're unsure about who your band should work with, we can help you get the best producer fit for your record. To keep up with us, follow at Noise Creators on Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud, Tumblr, or Facebook. This podcast can be also be found wherever podcasts are found, including iTunes and Stitcher. I'm your host, Jesse Cannon. I can be found on Twitter at Jesse Cannon or at jessecannon.com. Again, please help spread the word about this podcast and what Noise Creators does so we can keep this going. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.